You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time. To up the floor. Reads a drop down. Kobe! And we are back on Hardwood Radio. Ben, the season is underway and it's been quite a crazy season so far. Let's just put it this way. Russell Westbrook is insane. (laughs) I have watched an inordinate amount of uh, Russell Westbrook footage in the first week. And I could not believe what I saw, really. He was uh, out of this world. Kind of crazy. After three games, he had 116 points. It's, well, very insane. But he's not the only one. That's the thing. In the beginning of this season in the NBA, a player like DeMar DeRozan, first play Raptor player in history to score more than 30 points in his first three games of the season, there's been a lot of performances in this season so far that were... Not, I'm going to say not unexpected. Like Everybody expected Russell Westbrook to play well, but not to overshine the rest of the league, basically. Oh, yeah, and another guy who really surprised me is James Harden. Because, you know, James Harden is a tremendous scorer, but Mike D'Antoni, for some reason, makes him play a point guard now because his best scorer has to be his best shot creator. So here you go, James. Like, pass for everyone else. Create everybody else's shot. And he's been averaging, I think, 36 points and 12.7 assists. That's, That's a insane. lot. That's insane. Uh, that, that, I think he's leading the league in assists and is just so dominant as a player that he can, he can drag the defense and isolate anyone he wants on the court. It's been a beauty to watch. Like The, the uh, Rockets are still a mess on defense, but they're a beauty on offense. Yeah, and it's like it's it's so early. It's majority of the team played four, some of them five games, mm-hmm. but the Thunder and Russell Westbrook are undefeated. Four games played, four wins. It, is the Thunder better than we anticipated, or is it really too early to tell? It's just four game, but their conference record is three and zero. They're two and zero on their home, two and zero on road. What makes the Thunder so good early on like this this year? Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, <laughs> and Russell was there. I, I think you forgot to no, mention Russell Westbrook. Yeah, and Russell Westbrook too. Uh, there's no other way of saying it. He, I saw the game against uh, Phoenix, and he took 44 shots. How insane is this? He took 44 shots, managed to have a triple-double. He was out of his mind. He shot, I don't think, not even for 30%. But he was out of his goddamn mind all over the court. He did not even let his big guys take the rebounds. He would take his own rebounds. He would uh, he would go coast to coast. He would create his own shots. Um, and I like his uh, chemistry with uh, Sabonis and Oladipo. Uh, Oladipo, which we'll we'll talk later, has signed uh, insane contract extension. But um, right now, Westbrook is carrying this team on his shoulder and he's gleefully doing so. 
but uh, watch for both Sabonis and uh, who is who is a rookie and who has been starting for the team now, and for Oladipo to uh, chime in as the season to come along. Is there any surprise so far after four or five games in the league? Do you, like, are you surprised that the Sixers are zero and four, or was it what you were expecting? Just just an example here. They are so terrible. I do not <laughs> expect them to be this terrible this year. As just when Joel Embiid is out of the court, they cannot shoot. They cannot make their shots. They, they, I, I never seen that, Kevin. Like they, they score. I think an average of 85 points a game, which has to be an all-time low in the 21st century. They, yeah. uh, they, Sergio Rodriguez cannot make his shot. Uh, TJ McConnell cannot uh, make shots for to save his life or create shots for his teammates. They're really bad. But a team who is surprisingly bad is the Orlando Magic. Like, what's going on with the Magic? Like, their roster is a problem. I, you know, I saw their opening game against the the uh, Miami Heat, and their roster is an absolute disaster. Like, nobody can score. And they're, it's built in a way that cannot exploit their best player's strength. Like Aaron Gordon yeah. plays at small forward, which he is not suited to play at all. And he doesn't have any any space on the court. It's it's a shame, really. I was watching this after, uh, uh, against um, uh, Miami, and I was like, there's a, there's a huge problem, and Frank Vogel cannot do anything about it. Like, his talent on the court does not add up and they beat Philadelphia by two points this week like they beat them almost at the buzzer like this is how bad this team is and this is how bad this team needs to make a trade right now so are you saying that Ibaka that Ibaka trade is uh well after four games is it the, the, the disappointment oh it's a disaster <laughs> and there's no there's no other way first of all the way their lineup is structured, Ibaka is not taking many shots. He's not taking quality shots either. And what we found out, while when Ibaka doesn't have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook to create shots for him, well, he's not as good offensively. He cannot he cannot uh, uh, score on his own. He cannot. He needs some major talent to like. He's a good third option. He's a terrible first option on the team. Like. This is a disaster, and this might cost Rob Hennigan's job sooner than expected. All right. Any other surprise in the Eastern Conference, in your opinion, after four games, after the first week and a half? Is there surprises that you would, uh, uh, the positive surprise? Maybe the Hawks? Oh, yeah. Or... Absolutely. The Chicago Bulls. I did Undefeated. not expect uh, No, 3-1, sorry. I did not expect them to, cock, to, them to, catch, to catch fire out of the gate right right off the bat like this they have been looking sensational Rajon Rondo Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler are super um, are super compatible on the court they cannot shoot but they attack the basket and uh, Dwayne Wade makes the occasional shot to space the floor it's been quite a sight quite a sight honestly I was really surprised to see this now the only thing that can uh, undermine them now is chemistry. Um, that like they, like I'm expecting them to to lose some steam as the season goes on because they're an older team and they came storming right off the game. 
But if they get some chemistry issues, it's going to undermine them. But otherwise, these guys are going to get in the playoffs. Like, my prediction is not going to come through. Like, these guys are making the playoffs the way they're playing now. That's for sure. And the way that some players are playing is quite surprising. Like, Mark Gasol and Zach Randolph have became three-point shooters? Well, that's another team I've watched an inordinate amount of this week. The, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. I saw their first game against the um, the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, and I was expecting the baby wolves to torch them, and that's what they did right off the gates. I think after five minutes, it was 20 to three for the Timberwolves, but then something really inexplicable happened. Mark Gasol and Zach Randolph started shooting trees and making them. I was like, "What the hell is going on? What's what is this? Like these guys." have been recognized as low-post bangers, as guys who make their ways and sides with elbows and tackles. And these guys are now on the perimeter and looking quite good. Uh, this is not the grit and grinds Grizzlies right now. Like, these, this Grizzlies team is a thing of the past. Um, David Fitzdale makes everybody shoot threes. If you don't shoot threes, you go on the bench. And it costs them against the uh, Knicks, uh, they lost against the Knicks in the opener because mostly because they were like taking a lot of chances with the long ball, but it's going it's going to work. Like if they if they remain healthy, if Mark Gasol and Mike Conley remain healthy, it's going to work beautifully for them this year. And when you're looking at the Western Conference, we have the Thunder. The Spurs are surprising with their four and one. Clippers three one, and the Warriors three one. But they haven't looked like the world beaters that we are used to. Aren't they? It's just—is mm-hmm. it just a question of getting all the pieces to fit at the right place in this team? Yes, absolutely. It's a, it's a question of time. They will figure it out. Uh, they have a little problem uh, in the post, like in the pick and roll, because uh, Zaza Pachulia cannot defend the pick and roll. And on the opening nights, um, Greg Popovich from the Spurs just kept attacking him in the pick and roll all the time, and he gave up like. He must have been finished the night with like minus 40 or something. He he kept attacking Zaza because he knew he knew it would collapse the uh, the Warriors defense. But I'm expecting Zaza to get relegated to a bench role as the season goes on. Maybe the rookie Damian Jones is going to emerge. Maybe JaVale McGee, uh, Shaquille O'Neal's favorite uh, Shaqtin the Fool star is going to take over because he's really good when he wants to. Uh, but that center position where Andrew Bogut was really unappreciated last year is going to be key for them to defend. I'm expecting um, Kevin Durant and Draymond Green to take some of the heat off, but as far as protecting the rim, they will need a tried and true center. But this is a question of time. They'll, 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 they'll figure it out. Like they, they will be scary by the end of the year. By, by January, they will be scary. And we touched on it already, but Oklahoma... They were three and out before last night. Mm-hmm. Is uh, is it going to continue? Is it a trend that's going to continue? And same for the Bulls. Are those two teams that had a hotter start than we expected? Are those starts going to continue down the road? Um, for the Oklahoma City Thunder, I'm expecting a no because they have faced very, uh, very bad opposition so far. They faced Phoenix. They faced Philadelphia. They barely beat Philadelphia. Of course, they beat the Clippers last night. And uh, tonight, tonight they're uh, they're facing um, the Warriors. 
So I was talking with Coach Shelby today online, and he was telling me, I'm expecting Russell to go for 70 and punch Durant in the face. And I was like, <laughs> it was the, <coughs> it was like, it was the best thing. <coughs> Pardon me. It was to be the best thing to happen in basketball. <laughs> like it would be 70s the most and he poster him. It would, be, it would be the most exciting thing to happen in basketball. By the way, I've listened to an interview with uh, Lee Jenkins uh, the other day. Lee Jenkins is a guy who made a por portraits of NBA stars for Sports Illustrated. He uh, made portraits of LeBron James, of Russell Westbrook, of Joel Embiid. Uh, he was talking about Westbrook and said that while it was not, uh, it was not outwardly discussed, um, the feeling he had when he talked to everyone in the Oklahoma City Thunders, um, and the Oklahoma City Thunders organization, is that Russell really, really tried to make best friends with uh, Kevin Durant in the first couple of years in Oklahoma City. But Durant has a very big entourage, is a very uh, important guy, like and like he felt rejected, and they really developed a love-hate relationship after that. So I thought it was interesting. I thought it was some uh, some really good insights on the relationship of Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. And I might explain why um, Westbrook is really still has a chip on his shoulder over this. And Durant is playing the oh, uh, I have no I have no regrets. Uh, it's cool. Like Russell and I still love each other. Yeah. As, yeah. At, but um, as far as the Bulls are concerned. I think it's going to keep up. I think they're going to um, to lack fuel until the end of the year and maybe not end up uh, with a, such a dominant record. But, you know, 45, 46 wins with the team they have right now, I could see that happen. On October 31st, there was a few extension signings, Wayne. Uh, ben, can you go through yes. them for us? Yes, um, it's important what uh, this, this extension signing because... Um, there's a new CBA coming, and it will probably be signed without a lockout. It's not. It's only rumors right now, but um, apparently the signs are looking very good from uh, Adam Silver's office, uh, and that they're going to have. A, and nobody knows exactly what it what it will look like. So everybody is trying to lock down what they have. So uh, on October 31st was the first was the last day to uh, sign your uh, 2013 draft picks on a rookie contract. Um, the Oklahoma City Thunder were the most, uh, were the most, uh, the busiest team. They signed Victor Oladipo for uh, $84 million for four years and everybody's favorite player, Steven Adams, for $100 million for four years. So they wow. wrapped up $184 million to keep uh, what they have. Um, and other, otherwise, the um, Utah Jazz wrapped up uh, Rudy Gobert, the magnificent Frenchman, the uh, Stifle Tower, like they call him, for $102 million for four years. And um, the Timberwolves, Minnesota Timberwolves signed the guy I wanted for the Knicks in the 2013 draft, Gorgie Dang, to a $64 million contract for four years. Uh, and Dang outwardly said that he accepted less money to keep the bank together. He's not, he's not even the shadow of what, um, of what uh, Carl Towns is, but he's a reliable presence near the post. He, he's the kind of guy that would, uh, that would turn the, um, he's the kind of guy that would turn to the, the uh, 
Golden State Warriors into an 82-0 team overnight. Like, put Zaza, like, remove Zaza, put Gorgie Dang instead of him, and they, the, the Warriors beat everybody for the rest of the season. Uh, so he signed with the uh, for four more years with the Wolves, and that's about it. Uh, it's very, it's uh, it was very important signings because it's going to uh, unload the next two uh, free agent class for the next few summer, and they, these are good players. And it's good to see these players really, um, really settle down with their team and take the, um, uh, uh, you know, and take the. The engagement, like to yeah. stay with their team. Yeah, the commitment. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a big uh, big decision to make as well when you're uh, that young, too. But it's interesting though because you mentioned the CBA that's going to be upcoming. The NBA mm-hmm. is one of the few leagues over the last few years where the um, the relationship between the player side and the owners is actually better. Their their communication networks are the, the mm-hmm. communication channels are open and it's more. The NBA have realized that it's because of their players <coughs> that they're the the spot where they are now and it's how their players been perceived how the players themselves the star factor and all that has grown over the years and it's interesting to me that in other sports where it's more confrontational at least in the nba lately it's been more communicative well here's the thing everybody makes a shitload of money everybody is swimming in in cash so nobody has any interest to go on a strike right the nba has been more popular than it was ever that it's ever been uh, the globalization of the game is spreading like wildfire. So, um, so uh, since the uh, the announce of the twenty four billion dollars uh, uh, TV contract, everybody wants a piece of the cake, and Adam Silver has been more than eager to uh, share it with the players because he understands the long game. You know, like he's going to sacrifice on the short term and give some uh, give some money to the players, but in the long term. Everybody will benefit from it. Adam Silver is the true heir of David. Uh, David Stern? I have a. Uh, I have a, 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 a. I'm blanking out. David Stern. Uh, David Stern. Yeah. David Stern is the true heir of David Stern's uh, uh, throne as the best commissioner in professional sports, and he's one hell of a businessman too. Like if he could close that, he he will do what no other commissioner have done. In in contemporary sports. Oh well, with the, how I explain it too is in other sports, the commissioner is literally on the side of the owner and is trying to mm-hmm. do what's best for the owner, not what's best for the league, not what's best for mm-hmm. the fans, not what's best for the team. If you're looking at a Gary Batman, a uh, I was going to say Paul Tagbe, but no, it's not him anymore. But the NFL commissioner uh, Goodell, you do have those type of always confrontational, always trying to take the the money side of things for the owners and every decision are taken with that in mind. In basketball, it seems like it was with David Stern, who started 15 years ago, more than that, that you had that uh, willingness to grow the game, to get to your fans, to able to be honest about what your makeup of your teams are and get to make sure that it transcends to the fans, including with the music, the culture, the, everything in basketball have changed over the last 15 years and we've seen mm-hmm. a way that People, fans, uh, young players, uh, young fans especially, identify themselves to the team because the team represents themselves, represents the city. It's They see the same type of people in the street mm. and in the city with the ethnicity makeup. I think that's a big, big difference in the NBA compared to all the other leagues. Oh, absolutely. And the key date for this is uh, 1984 in the draft when the day Hakeem Olajuwon and Michael Jordan were... Um, 
uh, were drafted. That's the day uh, David Stern started working as a commissioner. Started, he saw the potential of a globalized game. He saw the enormous uh, business potential, and he started the uh, probably very arduous legwork uh, with the owners of convincing them that it will. It's a, it's a lot better for everyone if everyone is making money and not just them. You know, don't maximize profit just for you. Maximize profit for everyone. And we're reaping we're reaping the rewards of a hard-fought uh, David Stern era now, and and he's been and like he's been we, we've been looking very good like in compared to the NFL and the NHL that's for sure. No, exactly. All right, Ben. As always, let's finish the yes. show with the prospect of the week, Jonathan Isaac. Yes, Jonathan Isaac from um, Florida State University is an interesting case. He's a six foot ten player who plays a small forward, which means in the NBA is going to play power forward because every NBA has a tendency to go smaller. He's a very intriguing uh, offensive prospect. He can do a little bit of everything. He has insanely quick feet. He has very good. Uh, footwork he can he's a, so that allows him to be very good off the ball he doesn't need the ball to be a productive player he's a guy who can cut to the basket who can lose his man off a cut who can uh, be very uh, very aggressive in collapsing the defense so that is very interesting for the teams he's he has some shooting potential now um, I'm not in love with his shot yet. Like I think his elbow is flaring out a little bit when he shoots, which uh, occasionates some left or right misses, which is really bad in the NBA. I don't know if you saw. Um, I don't know if you saw uh, Joachim Noah's shot uh, against the Pistons this week. Like he airballed the crap out of that ball, and like Joachim Noah is flaring both elbows when he when he shoots. So that's. That, 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 that's a problem that Jonathan Isaac will have to uh, solve. Uh, but he's, he's a good player. Like, his main problem is that he, is a, he used to be a 6'3 guard, had a late growth spurt, and like now he's a 6'10 weak, uh, wing. Pardon me. He's a 6'10 wing, and he doesn't know what to do with his, uh, with his new position. Like, he is very lanky. He lacks power uh, to defend the post. So, which that that's going to be a, a major a major problem for a lot of teams, but and he uh, he tends to really be down on himself, have bad body language on the uh, on the court, disappear after a couple of bad plays. Like he's going to have to learn consistency uh, in in um, college this year. He's going to have a very good FSU team. He's going to have Dwayne Bacon in his corner, which is going to be another first-round pick this year, probably. So he's, he's, he's interesting. He's a boomer bust guy. Like, he could very well disappear uh, in college or in the NBA, but he has a lot of potential. Like, his ceiling as a player is really, really high. All right, Ben. Until next week, you know, there's going to be a lot of basketball, a lot of great teams continuing on the run. We'll see if the Bulls, Oklahoma, or even the Raptors continue on the run. But you know what, Ben? Until next week, enjoy your basketball. Yes, sir. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.